You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. Is branding the most undervalued part of B2B marketing? Look at any list of the dominant brands in the world, and you might see a B2B brand or two. Branding remains synonymous with the B2C world. And that puts many B2B brands at a disadvantage because in B2B, demand gen is the dominant marketing philosophy. And your demand gen efforts are much more effective when your brand works to support demand. You know, if nobody knows who you are or what you stand for in the marketplace, okay, I'm getting served up another dozen products just like yours every single day. I don't know you. Why am I going to invest the time, let alone the money? And getting to understand who you are first, whereas I know six of those other dozen brands like that. And then there it comes down to competing on on product superiority. Does it meet my needs and does it fit with within my budget? So I think, you know, I, I say this to my team all the time. Our leads don't mean anything if nobody knows who we are. That's Jordan Levin, Vice President, Global Demand Generation and Brand Marketing at Blue Jeans by Verizon. On this episode of the B2B Nation podcast, Jordan and I discuss the state of branding and B2B marketing, talk about his career journey from agency to brand and from B2C to B2B, consumer-like B2B experiences, and more. Welcome to B2B Nation. Jordan Liebman from Blue Jeans by Verizon. Why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks, Michael. So as you said, my name is Jordan Liebman. Um, I am the global head of demand generation and brand marketing for Blue Jeans by Verizon, uh, which just so happens to be Verizon's video conferencing collaboration and multi live stream platform. That's a mouthful. Say that three times fast. Um, so in my role, I'm tasked with, you know, just that helping to, you know, drive greater demand generation for the business uh, deeper uh, richer, more engagement with prospects and, and customers, and ultimately helping our, our sales team to create and, and turn in uh, bigger opportunities for, for the company. One thing I noticed right away, I go to the website for Blue Jeans mm -hmm. by Verizon, and it gets me thinking, I think at this point, every B2B marketer in the world has heard, though not followed, advice about incorporating a B2C type experience for B2B buyers. That means visible pricing, click to buy, these consumer-like experiences. So the first thing I noticed on the Blue Jeans site is that I can click to buy just about anything. Is that that Verizon B2C influence at play? Is that good old-fashioned listening to the customers? How did that come to be? Yeah, I think it's really a, a bit of both, to be honest with you, right? Obviously, being a, a digital platform and being a part of a, a technology and telecommunications company, a lot of what we focus on is digital first, right? That, that being said, I, I think it, it does come very organic, very natural. And when you do go onto bluejeans.com, that there is immediately an opportunity to go ahead and buy a single license or, or multiple licenses for that matter. I think it's a function of the category in which we are in. I think it's a function of what our product offering or what our service offering is. And I think to, you know, what you said last, it's about listening to the customer. You know, unfortunately, there are times where, you know, customers don't want to buy 
multiple licenses or they don't want to go ahead and, and, and deal with the salesperson. You just want to go straight online, make a quick purchase and follow through. Now, that's not to be a knock against our, our sales leaders. They're all absolutely wonderful and they're knowledgeable and they're excellent partners. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to listening to what some customers may or may not want. Uh, what is the function of the category, the function of the industry, and of course, who our parent company is and how we do business as a whole. At the end of the day, we want to be able to make uh, doing business with Blue Jeans by Verizon um, as easy as possible for any prospect or any customer. You know, whether customers want to go ahead and, and do that through e-com, right, by going to bluejeans.com and, and making the purchase for their license there, or they want to go ahead and have that interaction with a salesperson. It's all about making the customer experience much smoother and easier. And so they can go ahead and get onboarded and engaged in the product and really go ahead and maximize their use of it much quicker. Yeah, we talked to a previous episode, we talked to John Ragsdale of uh, TSIA. We touched a little bit on this topic, and he was saying that a lot of vendors are foregoing customizations, which are expensive to support and can be tricky for all involved. When you forego a lot of customization, it makes it a lot easier to provide that click and buy experience for your customers. They're getting an easier tool to use and an easier buyer experience as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's what is one of the things that is so important today, um, you know, in, in a digital first uh, economy is going ahead and giving customers, you know, easy, simpler, more fluid experiences. Um, you know, again, whether that be, you know, through an e-com store or, or having that, that first interaction on a company website and then taking it into deeper, richer conversations with a salesperson. It's it, at the end of the day, Michael, it's all a part of a much bigger brand experience, right? As a marketer, you want to go ahead and create opportunities first and foremost for your sales team to drive revenue and to ultimately grow your business, right? But the other part of that as a brand person is wanting to go ahead and create experiences for your prospect or for your customer that whether that first touch on the e-com store is the you know the first and the last touch or something that they come back to later you want to create an experience that's going to leave them looking forward to the next interaction with your brand and i think that's the role of, of marketing as a whole especially in, in the b2b space or b2c for that matter it's about creating deeper richer experiences between a brand and its individual customers that leads the customer wanting to come back for more beyond the product itself and ultimately as a marketer and as a brand person that's the best investment you can make because you're creating a customer but even in the in the long term you're turning them into an advocate for your brand and you can never ever go ahead and put a price tag on that because it, it's in the, invaluable this uh, sort of convergence of the b2c and b2b experience uh, comes up quite a bit but you've mm -hmm. spent a portion of your career in B2C on the agency side in particular. Yeah. So talk us through some of the differences in how you handled them. Agency versus vendor, B2C versus B2B. Your career path has kind of seen yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it has been a bit of uh, 
you know, done it all, see it all. And, and it's all been, you know, an amazing experience. Like you said, having first started on, you know, on Madison Avenue, working on a lot of big creative agencies, and then ultimately making my way brand side. It, it's a really interesting question that you ask. I think, to be honest with you, it, it's all really similar. We're all sitting at the same table. We're just sitting on different sides. And then how we engage internally and externally varies by by different degrees. I think for me, having go from agency to brand, I, I was very fortunate because I was you know working on a piece of business that I was in love with. Just so happened that I jumped to the other side of the table, I was working with Verizon and then being a part of Verizon. I think for me, you know, that that biggest transition was more learning the internal workings of, of the company and the brand, the things that we as agency partners definitely don't see on a day-to-day -day basis, but are, are mission critical to going ahead and, and building the foundations of a strategy and then how you go ahead and execute it and all the different stakeholders and influencers that, that sit on the company side of it. And then you look at it in terms of, you know, what it was that I had to manage outward, whether that was a multi-million dollar integrated advertising campaign, or like you said, managing different agencies, different vendors, it, the, the fundamentals are still the same, right? It's still about managing relationships. It's just that it becomes a different kind of relationship and what your value in that relationship could differ from sitting on opposite sides of the table. You know, when I was agency side, even before joining Verizon or, or working with Verizon, you know, I was dealing with multiple clients at the same time, right? Multiple clients that had different projects, different campaigns, sometimes overlapping, sometimes competing agendas. How do I go ahead and prioritize that? How do I help my team? How do I be the, the voice of, of, of the client when the client's not in the room and the voice of the agency when I'm in the room with the client, right? It's about relationships. It's about advocacy. That's all the same, no matter what side you're, you're, you're sitting on at that table. But what starts to be different, like I said, is what that agenda might be, what your priorities are and how you help people navigate through all of that regardless of where you're sitting i think for me uh, as somebody who worked as a content creator for different vendors mm -hmm. i think the thing that i would think about was do i like the diversity of working mm -hmm. with different vendors talking about different yeah. products different technologies different messages yeah how would i feel if i went to a vendor and i was you know vendors have multiple products you're not doing the same exact thing but right who's that diversity and it's kind of like, how many times could i say this message how many different ways could i say it i always every time the thought popped in my head i always kind of had that conversation yeah. with myself right yeah but i think that's one of the things that was great about when you go to work for one vendor you go to work for one agency in in, in my in my case right is that you're not dealing with just one client, right? You're working on across multiple pieces of business. So what I'm engaging on today with one particular client in the morning will be completely different from the conversation that I'm having with another client later that day in the afternoon or what may come about tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now. 
So, you know, as opposed to when, when you're brand side, yeah, you're responsible for that one particular brand. You know, that campaign takes much longer than, than a couple of weeks. That's something that sometimes on some pieces of business can be upwards of 18 months. But after you've seen that through from concept all the way to execution and, and completion and, and readout on the success of that campaign, you're, you're, you're onto something new. Um, I think there's a lot, at least as a marketer and as a brand guy, I think there's something that's really exciting about it. It's long-term, so to speak. And I think that no matter what side you're sitting on, there's still something that's really exciting about it. And while the project may seem like it's the same every day or the piece of business that you're on may seem the same every day, there are different challenges that come up. And so I think it's about looking at it in terms of the challenges that arise for me as the marketer, for me as the brand leader, how am I going to go ahead and tell the brand story today to this audience and make it relevant and engaging and compelling to them so much so that they want to buy our product or buy our service or participate in our brand. But then I need to go ahead and tell a story about the same brand, the same product, but to a completely different audience tomorrow and drive the same level of engagement and activity for them. I think it's exciting. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. And B2C is a good segue for our next question. Uh -huh. B2C has been the place where really dominant brands have been built for years. Every time you see yep. a list of the most recognized and most valuable brands, you might get a B2B, you might get like an IBM. Yeah. Uh, Verizon kind of straddles the line, I think we could yep. say now. What do a lot of B2B companies get wrong about branding? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that branding in general gets a lot of lip service in the B2B space. You know, how, how many CEOs, you know, truly value the power of branding campaigns? Um, you know, in terms of what, what I've seen, um, you know, outside of a handful of brands, like you said, you know, the, the answer may not be many. I, I think, you know, branding is the full scope of how your company presents itself to the world. That goes beyond your design choices, like your logo, your color, your fonts, and it goes into your voice, your value, your mission statement, your corporate social responsibility, how you treat your customers, how you treat your employees, you know, how your company is perceived in your industry, how your executives are perceived in your industry, the emotional connections your customers have with your company. I could go on with that, but I think you, you get the idea. And I think that's where a lot of B2B brands start to fall short is on that last point on, on the emotional connections. I think that the big difference between B2B and B2C is that most would say B2B is much more logical, whereas B2C is much more emotional, right? I think it is critical for B2B marketers to create that narrative, create that story, that brings the customer along in the journey that makes them want to turn around and say, Hey, you know what, you know, brand X in the tech industry is doing so much more than just providing this product or service. There's a really interesting story here that makes me want to get to know them more beyond the product, right? They're creating a trust. They're creating an understanding before that prospect or that customer goes to their website or walks through the door to sit down, have a meeting with their salespeople and say, okay, I'm about to invest thousands, if not millions of dollars from my business into your product. 
your brand is truly everything that makes your company what it is, everything that makes it unique. And I think part of that, or rather a big part of that is creating that emotional connection between your business and your customers, which ultimately is going to want them yearning for more beyond just an exchange of services or, an ex you know, or a purchase of, of what it is that you're selling to them. I think one of the more interesting answers that I've heard when you talk about the difference in B2C and B2B brands, uh -huh. uh, you mentioned so the B2B brands, they're kind of more practical, right? Yep. I'm going to yep. put a white paper out there. People are going to give me their information. And yeah. now I've got somebody to have a conversation with, right? It's yeah. Very yeah. Practical. And that tech mindset, the engineers, the people who create a lot of these businesses, Mm -hmm. are by nature very practical right and when you yeah. talk about emotion and the brand they go oh, the color the logo yeah. right yeah. <laughs> the, the connection that it's more than that that it's deeper than that i think it's not easy for a lot of people who have kind of been in the b2b mindset and are kind of wired that way yeah. to understand it absolutely you know think about this you know consider the importance of reputation in in b2b especially in b2b sales right customers aren't making un impulse purchases with you they're purchasing what you provide only after researching multiple options weighing the pros and cons of each coming to a consensus with a you know with a, a, a head of purchasing or a committee having the purchase approved by accounts payable you know or a, a supervisor or the cfo there's a lot that's resting on that purchase Buyers need to avoid blame. If the company they're purchasing with has a long-standing reputation for excellence, trustworthiness, reliability, and the like, then they're going to feel a lot more confident completing that buyer journey. Like you cited about IBM, nobody has ever gotten fired for buying IBM. Why is that? Because the reputation is inextricably linked to branding and brand building. That's why it's it's so important in in the b2b space and you know unfortunately a lot of b2b brands don't necessarily see that or they they don't make the investment that they need to both from a financial and a human resource and a time standpoint in order to get that right you have to build it over time you have to allocate the right resources and give people a chance to see that you're consistent and that's why brand building and, and brand perception and, and reputation is so important in this space. And I think the opportunity that some companies miss mm -hmm. is that when your brand is known, because I don't want to downplay mm -hmm. it. I kind of downplayed the white paper play a couple of minutes ago, yeah. but yeah. your demand gen tactics will perform better. Right. If your brand is familiar because you talked about right. the risk, nobody wants to take the flyer on the unknown vendor. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I read a statistic the other day about brand versus lead generation investment. And I think that the standard was 60% of your marketing investment should go into your brand and the other 40% should go into your lead generation. You know, if nobody knows who you are or what you stand for in the marketplace, okay, I'm getting served up another dozen products just like yours every single day. I don't know you. Why am I going to invest the time, let alone the money, in getting to understand who you are first? Whereas I know six of those other dozen brands like that. And then there it comes down to competing on, on product superiority. Does it meet my needs and does it fit with, within my budget? So I think, you know, I, I say this to my team all the time. 
our leads don't mean anything if nobody knows who we are. And uh, so much of that knowing who we are isn't just an awareness play, it's a branding play. It's a reputation play. It's, you know, what's, what's your strategy? What's your brand blueprint? That's so, so, so important, whether you're a B2C or a B2B brand. And without that, you're, you're building your, your business on, on a house of sand. Ultimately it's gonna, or, or you're, you're building it on a foundation of sand. Ultimately that's all gonna collapse from underneath and you're gonna be in ruin. Yeah, and when it works, it's automatic, right? You see the yep. brand, like I talked about the color of the logo, right? but you see it and the, right. the connection is all in your head. And there's no right. kind of, yeah, maybe I've heard of them or I haven't heard of them. Let me see what they're about. It just works. Just Right. But think of those brands that, you know, we, we were talking about before we were recording here, right? IBM has done an amazing job on, on that from a B2B standpoint. Microsoft, Verizon, Amazon right these are all fortune 10 15 20 brands that that's what they are they're brands they're not just companies they're brands and they've really gone ahead and invested in in all those things from the blueprints all the way down to the execution and then optimizing on its success in in market um the, there's a real value that's placed on it and that's why they are as successful as they are in the marketplace, not just for you know a couple of years, you're talking about decades on, on these brands that they've been at the top of their market. Um, and a lot of that business success can be attributed to what they have established in their brand and what that means, not just to their customers, but to anybody that's even considering them at this point and has yet to be a customer. There's tremendous impact there. Yeah. So we are closing in on the end of 2022. I think uh, this should be our last episode of 2022, in fact, when it yeah. airs. What professional goals have you set for yourself, your team, even the brand for 2023? I think I, think I know where this is going because we were talking before we hit record about different conferencing apps, and you said... <laughs> Blue jeans. <laughs> Everyone will know who we are. So. <laughs> we'll get to that into a moment. You know, I, I always start start with my team first. Um, you know, I've I've been very fortunate in that I have um, surrounded myself with a team of marketers that are um, just as passionate, if not more, than me when it comes to marketing and the marketing process. Um, you know, it's a team that's continuously looking to evolve and grow both individually as well as collectively. And I think, you know, the goal for my team for next year is to continue to, to build on that, build on that growth, build on that momentum, expand their, their areas of expertise and, you know, really building advocacy for the Blue Jeans by Verizon platform, not just throughout the company, but throughout the industry as, as a whole. Um, you know, the professional goals that I've set myself for the next year, I mean, uh, I think it aligns with my team, right? Continuing to grow, uh, you know, expand my, my influence and in, in building advocacy both internally and, and, and externally and really you know, leading the charge from a marketing standpoint behind this brand and, and showing not just the industry, but the world, the potential that, that Blue Jeans really has in terms of providing these highly immersive, you know, personal face to virtual, but face to face experiences, and that it's more than just a video conferencing product. It really is the, 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 the keystone 
in driving greater collaboration and creating greater, more engaging content for, for the right audiences. And I think that goes into to what the brand is, right? The, the goals for the brand is to go ahead and drive that perception in the marketplace to help to grow, further grow the awareness and, you know, take this from, you know, X millions of dollars to, you know, X billions of dollars in, in, the, in the next three to five years and really transforming the category through the, the power of, of this brand and, and this platform. So it's time for the question we ask just about everybody here on B2B Nation, and that is, what is your favorite tool? We have a couple of rules, put a couple guardrails in place. Uh, you can't cite a product, your marketing, so we can't say blue jeans. Uh, <laughs> conference okay. tools aside. And you can't say your phone unless you cite a specific app because we're all completely useless if our phone is outside of our reach. So that <laughs> it's funny. I'm not, I'm not just glued to my phone. I'm glued to two phones. Um, <laughs> so it happens when you work for Verizon. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it is my phone, but more specifically, it's it's the specific apps on the phone. I think that as a marketer, more specifically as a brand marketer, I would be lost without social media tools. So Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. I'll even go as far as saying TikTok. Right. As, as marketers, we are looking to learn, look to grow every day, sharing information with one another, learning from one another. Hey, how can I go ahead and take what McDonald's did on TikTok with their campaign and go ahead and make this something that is equally as relevant to my SMB or my mid-market or even my global enterprise audience, right? How can I go ahead and take how they're engaging content creators and make a product like Blue Jean Studio that is relevant to content creators and get them engaged with that through a similar TikTok strategy. What is it that somebody, you know, a marketing leader, uh, you know, shared an article on from Adweeker or AdAge that I follow them on Twitter, but and I may have glanced over that article, but he or she called out a specific quote from it that got me thinking. And so, or I'm going onto LinkedIn and I'm sharing ideas about business growth and and marketing and branding, and so. What these tools do, it's we're, we're sharing ideas, we're learning, um, you know, as a marketing community, you know, we're building off of other brands ideas. And it, like I said, I'm a guy who's constantly attached to both his personal as well as his work mobile devices. So, you know, it's the first thing that I look at every morning, aside from, you know, rolling over and seeing my beautiful wife right there alongside me in the morning. Um, I should say it's probably the second thing that I look at is is my phone. <laughs> um, but that being said, as soon as I open the phone, it you know it's those four or five apps that that I'm looking at on social media. So again, it's Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, um, and 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 Twitter every single day, just as a source of information and inspiration and and knowledge and ideas. Do you think it will be the same list of apps a year from now? I think for the most part it will. I think where it gets to really interest be really interesting, and this is probably a conversation for on a, for a future podcast, Michael. But is you know how are these apps embracing things like the metaverse or the creator economy? Right, as a marketer, these are things that are are so precious and so valuable, and we're just starting to tap the surface on on that right now. That it becomes a question of. Um, 
you know, uh, evolve or die <laughs> for everyone. Um, and I think some of those apps will probably be here a year from now, uh, maybe in their current state, maybe they'll be diminished. Others, I think, will will probably seize the, you know, some of the, the, the cultural demands that are out there right now and really begin to grow and, and flourish even further than they have been for the past year, two years, 10 years. Yeah, I asked the question, not not only because what's going on with Twitter right now and yeah. TikTok getting some scrutiny, but I feel like we've seen a little bit, there's like a life cycle to some of the social media sites mm -hmm. and apps where, and I compared it with someone with like a, like a clothing brand that caters to like a young audience. Like once you're not cool, you're in trouble. And, yeah. you know, we've seen other platforms come and go. And I think the challenge for them, some of those platforms is how do we remain cool for lack of a better word? Yeah. 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 Um, it, that's the thing. It's like, you know, what's, you know, what's the hot thing of, of the moment? You know, uh, a couple of months ago, it was TikTok. Now everybody's getting into be real. Those people that are immersed in TikTok are, are now getting into be real. Be real could be the next TikTok, the next Facebook, the next Instagram of, of, of 2023. So like you said, you know, it's, you know, how do those brands in their own right evolve either with the audience that they're engaged with now or start to create interest engagement and retention with the with the next audience um, and continue to grow as, as a business you you need to evolve as a brand and and as a business um, or else that that audience is going to dry up very very fast um, so yeah I think it'll be exciting to see what happens you know a couple forget about a year from now a couple months from now <laughs> let's come back and have this conversation after the new year and let's see what everybody's talking about after ces and you know ise europe and and, and go from there so yeah. i think and it'll be exciting the, to see some of the b2b brands who maybe haven't been as quick to get on some of the social platforms as others like it's not out of the question that some b2b brands are going to miss TikTok entirely right because like you said mm -hmm. like if TikTok starts to fade and you go straight to be real it's like you missed the whole TikTok. Window, oh yeah right yeah absolutely and nobody knows i mean for marketers yeah. it's almost it's kind of easy because you, you just go from one platform to the other for the companies that are trying to exist and make money off these platforms sure. it's a much bigger challenge for sure for sure still all really exciting nonetheless at least it for is. me as a marketing geek it is <laughs> Jordan Liebman from Blue Jeans by Verizon. Thanks for joining us here on B2B Nation. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thanks again to Jordan Liebman of Blue Jeans by Verizon for joining us on the B2B Nation podcast. If you found this episode insightful or helpful, share it with a friend and follow B2B Nation on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thanks to the technology advice crew, Amy Dunn and Hunter Hill. Our theme song is written by Mnemonics in the Guild. We'll catch you next time on B2B Nation.